Hi, I'm Georgette Pierre, and you're listening to Black and Nuance Podcast, dispelling the idea that Black people are monolithic. It's all good just a week ago. Actually, it all started with unemployment and for the third time in New York City. They tell you third time's a charm, but fuck that shit. The first time, I hit rock bottom. I was no longer able to afford my 100 square foot studio room with shared bathrooms in the hallway on the Upper West Side. I fell four months behind on rent and was giving them peanuts from the peanuts I was getting from unemployment to pay down the debt I owed. I made an agreement with my landlord and moved out without having to owe anything and then slept on a friend's couch in Union Square from October 2013 to February 2014. I left Valentine's Day to be exact. During that time on my friend's couch, I went back to working in retail when Piper Lime, a Gap Inc. company, used to exist in the streets of Soho, New York. Oh, and I was also living out of my storage unit, swapping out clothes for work in the wintertime. The second time I became unemployed was during the Ponderosa, aka the pandemic. I was six years removed from hitting my version of rock bottom and New York wasn't a safe place to be during the pandemic. So I quit the board operator job that I spoke about in episode four with Lenny Green, went to my mom's house in Northern Virginia and stayed there for four months. My body was in complete duress, but I felt all right financially. I was living in a rent stabilized studio apartment on West 146th Street where the highest rent increase was $25. $25 motherfucking dollars. I'll get back to this later. I say all that to say that I didn't feel hella phased by the second round of unemployment. I was on slight edge, but hella grateful that I didn't have to tap into my savings account to pay rent. The third time on unemployment did not go as planned. That happened in October, 2021. My contract wasn't renewed with a company that I couldn't stand. I also felt imposter syndrome galore and was mistreated by two specific managers in place. They literally added to the microaggression that black people feel working in all white spaces. I talk about this experience of navigating white spaces heavy in episode five. This last job triggered some PTSD yet again from my time in Miami. It's the gatekeepers who have no business gatekeeping. I couldn't see where unemployment would take me, so I did everything that I thought I wanted to do. I did some background acting work again for shits and giggles. Gave that shit right back after being in the cold with no jacket on, acting like it was fall for the Netflix series now called Kaleidoscope, which was titled Jigsaw at the time. So when I applied for unemployment again, some shit had changed since I was last on it a year ago. This time, I was assigned a caseworker that was required to check in on me to make sure I remained qualified for unemployment benefits. Bitch, not the caseworker. I'm talking to the system. I paid into this, give me all my coins. For the next few months, I would get assigned random calls with my caseworker named Jesus, AKA Jesus, how convenient, to audit my job search records, something I never had to do before. I was applying to hella jobs and making some headwear, so I thought, I think my list of jobs I applied to was over 150. Landed some nice interviews, but my ego couldn't get over the fact that everything was under six figures. (sighs) Needless to say, I was on unemployment a lot longer than I expected. At 37, I moved into my dream apartment for now, thanks to landing that emotionally draining job right on time to take advantage of the pandemic specials at the end of 2020 only to be back at square one circa 2013 and closer to age 40. That did not sit well with me and neither did my guest's unemployment status. Although her journey was different from mine, we both had one thing in common. We were in our late 30s figuring some new shit out again. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I was in a state of shock for so long 
So I'm like, I was wondering too about that. I was like, I wonder if I like went through the stages of grief, you know, because it's a loss, it's like mm. a death, right? So I was like thinking back about it. I'm like, I think I was still processing and just on survivor mode to even process that shit. Cause so it's like, that's something I'm gonna talk about in therapy, which I now have, I now have a new therapist, thank goodness. That's my guest, Tanja Stidham, AKA Embrace the J. She and I met at the top of 2020 in LA through our mutually nomadish friend, Darnell Lamont Walker, who's now an Emmy-nominated TV writer, a filmmaker, and a friend of the podcast. He'll be on later in the season. I had been following Tanja on Twitter for some time and just connected with her instantly. It must have been the Leo in both of us. Back then, she was an entertainment writer for The Root, a digital magazine centering Black folks. But I'll let her introduce herself to the collective. Yeah, so I'm Tanja. I am a writer, director, and producer, um, n- namely comedy. That's my genre. That's my top genre in writing. Um, and then I'm also a senior copywriter at XX Artists, where I pretty much write copy, you know, for social media. Their clients, their clients are like YouTube, uh, Google. Uh, Title is a new client. It's like really cool. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah I um, and the best part. Leo. Yes. Okay. Rare. Uh, <laughs> Leos are so obnoxious and uh, I don't care. We are so obnoxious. Listen, we y'all love Leo. it. <laughs> Barack Obama is a Leo. I want everyone to be motherfucking clear. Our president is a Leo. Okay. Um, so, you know, as I was starting to navigate this season, I was like, man, I want to come back and it feel different, feel more intimate, feel more close to me than it has been. And the first thing I thought about was what we've all been navigating in our own way and specifically for us in our late 30s, right? And so I know for me as a cis hetero, single Black woman, no children, pets, or plants, <laughs> Right, okay. so I could really move. I, if I, stick and move, right? Yes. <laughs> so life looks different for 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 me than it does for some of my other girlfriends. And I remember at we were going through the pandemic, and I know there's different things that everyone had to navigate. I remember though when my contract did not get renewed at this company that I used to work for, I was happy to leave because they had cultivated like or exacerbated imposter syndrome for me. And it was just a super white corporate space. And then I also came to the conclusion, I was like, I am fucking unemployed for the third time in New York City. And I just, I could not imagine. And so wanted to kind of talk through your story because, you know, first taking it back, right? You live in LA, I live in New York. What were you taught um, about, your socializations on where you're supposed to be at what age and the career that mm. you were pursuing. Like, where did you start? And then how did you get to where you are now? Wow. That's a great question. Cause yeah, like that's, that's real. And I completely relate to you, right? Single child is all those things. The IRS hates me, but you know, I love my life. <laughs> but, so like, yeah, it's literally uh, that, like uh, it was in my twenties, I think that I really had that that pretty much chip on my shoulder about, oh, I want to do these things before 30. In fact, I had a goal. I want to be on a 30, under 30 list, like on Forbes, like all those lists. I would look at those lists like, oh my God, I'm entry closer to 30 and I haven't made the list. And then I realized like how it works in the background and things like that. It's not just about how talented you are, how great things you are, you know, it's publicity, all those things, right? 
Mm. Um, but you look at that with that imposter syndrome, I'm like, oh, I'm not on this list, so I must not be popping. Um, it probably was when I uh, got into my thir- my mid-30s and now upper 30s I am now, is I don't give a fuck about any of that. <laughs> like, it's like, it doesn't have to happen at a certain age. Um, in fact, I now know, looking back, I wouldn't have been ready then. I wouldn't have been ready for all those things that I dreamed of and those goals and the way that I even look at them, how I see that people are being exploited, all those things, right? I now have like that outlook to, you know, handle these things better. I I know that's going to come in the time that it's supposed to come. It's divine order, girl, divine order. Listen, I, you know, it's interesting because I didn't realize how, I actually still don't know if you can enlighten us. How did those Forbes 30, not for, well, Forbes is one of them, but like yeah. various platforms at the 30 under 30, yeah. the 40 under 40. And it's just like, well, is there a 50 under 50? Cause I just, <laughs> I just want to know. Right. Right. But like, but, but like people list this in their bios yeah. as like, like this accolade. And so when you don't see that, like yourself being on these lists or not knowing how to get to these lists, like mm-hmm. you do start to do this compare and contrast. And mm-hmm. so what are, what was the smoke and mirrors behind those lists when you were just like, oh, double fucking like, oh, this is not even real. Right. To yeah. yeah. It really is. It's like, it's, it's like PR, right? Like when you're looking at it, like from an outside perspective, you're like, oh, these are the most talented people in the world this year, right? Who are under 30. And you're thinking like, oh, I don't have that talent, but it it really is majorly publicity. Like you have a publicist pushing these things out and it's, you know, PR for that person. It's PR for either or either that brand that they're promoting or a movie they may be promoting or something like that. It's like (laughs) probably 70 percent that and maybe 30 percent the other thing. It's like knowing the right people. It's having a Forbes contact, maybe. Right. Like literally I got a quote in Forbes because I knew somebody who wrote wrote it Forbes and that's it. Like they reached out to me because they knew that they knew me and they knew I wrote yeah. about this specific thing that they were writing about. Um, so all of that matters. And like, I'm a huge proponent of that, right? Like I'm a huge proponent of not only like telling people your story and being inspirational, like I worked hard to do this and blah, 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 not taking away from the hard work that you did, but I'm also a proponent of being honest, of being transparent that these other factors also come into play, such as luck, such as being in the right place at the right time, such as knowing the right people. So I'm very, Mm. very transparent in that because it doesn't take away from the fact that you're working hard or that you're talented, but a lot of people take it as that, you know, saying that it's not mutually exclusive, right? It's like all those other factors are, are true and important. And I wish more people would, who are on these panels would be honest about those things because the people who are watching from the outside, they wouldn't feel as bad. I like that you said that. I think the thing that I think about too is, so I think the, the social media version of that was like, how it started versus how it's going, right? And so with your younger self, you being an entertainment journalist and the connections that you had, what did you imagine your 30s to look like? Yeah, uh, definitely didn't imagine to look like this. I didn't imagine getting into the entertainment space this way at all. Like I knew, I always knew I was gonna be a writer in some way. And I had all these dreams of being various different writers, right? Once I found out that they were jobs. Obviously, I landed on screenwriting when I found out that that was a job. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. Like, I watched uh, the movie for me was E.T., and it made me cry at the end. <laughs> and so, like, as I got older, I'm like, oh, I want to make someone have evoke emotion in this way, whether it's crying, laughing, being angry, what have you. And that's when I was like, oh, I want to be a screenwriter. This is what, what I want to do. So uh, looking at my 30s, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be living in L.A. I'm going to be writing films. I'm going to be directing films, all these things. 
And I had this idea of how you land that dream job, right? It's the things they tell you. It's like, oh, you know, you go to LA and you get all these scripts and, you know, you shop them around the studios and mm. query letters and all these things. And obviously, as I got older, the the, the um, entertainment industry has changed in a lot of ways. It's not like that old school way of like pitching yourself anymore. And definitely digital has a lot of, um, you know, impact on it as well. And like how people have gotten jobs um, which is great, I think, because it's like it takes away like that gatekeeping aspect of it, because it's like so much harder to like in person be like, hey, I know this per I know this producer who can buy my script, or I know this network who can distribute it. Whereas like that network or that producer can see how funny you are on Twitter, or see that you you know writing some cool tweets or whatever, and then you end up in a fucking TV writer's room like because of your tweets or because of your blog, or because of your TikTok, right? That's happening now. Um, so. So yeah, so like when I got into the entertainment journalism space, I never would have thought I would get into that industry specifically through there. And it's it's because of my writing though. Once I look back, I, it all makes sense. It's because I was an online blogger. Like I took my passion for writing and entered the blogging space and it led me to get in a, a real professional job in entertainment journalism, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And speaking of social media, I know that's been a way for a lot of us to connect with new people, rally around content in a different way. I also learned it probably wasn't the best place to share personal business anymore. <laughs> so, I, girl, I mean, I used to, oh gosh, I had to, I had to archive a lot of my Instagram content. What's your relationship with social media now in your thirties? From when I first started, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm obviously still myself, right? Cause I always want to be authentic, but I, I am more mindful when I'm representing a company that I work at, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I still like, you know, we'll, we'll post some unhinged tweets or whatever, but I'm not gonna post every single thing that I'm thinking, obviously, because I'm still mindful that my account is attached to my real name. Just how you mentioned at the top of the show, Embrace the J, like that was my name for a while. Even before that, it was like pinch my cheeky because I didn't even use my real name in a digital space. <laughs> and my name was Cheeky. Everybody knew me as Cheeky because of the cheek. Both of them, both sets. And so like, that was my name. And then I did Embrace the J. I did that spin on my name when I was like transitioning into using my real name and bylines and stuff like that. And then um, I was like, no, nah, I got to have my at name as my real name because I'm using my name as my name is my currency now. And so like once I transitioned to that, like the stuff, I was more mindful of what I was posting for sure. <laughs> The name being currency. I mean, I was telling people like I we're all talking about the demise of Twitter and we're just all watching it slow slowly burn as yeah. of November 2022. But I know there have been points where I just wanted to like like hit a tweet that could have potentially been viral, hit an opinion that could be, you know, you just want to express certain things and I would find myself now Tanja just deleting shit cuz mm -hmm. I'm just like you don't who cares? Right. Like does it really fucking matter if you post this this thought that mm. you have mm -hmm. in this website. And I'm just curious if like you've struggled or navigated as mm -hmm. you started getting older, and really recognizing the the brass behind your name, the currency behind your name. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's, it's both, I think it's twofold, right? It's like thinking about the professional stuff and then also the, per the personal stuff, right? Because Twitter, um, especially like as it has evolved from like the older days when you're really just like throwing thoughts at the ether and everybody was just like, it was pretty much unhinged and like lawless land. Like now you really have to like be mindful of what you say 
because of your platform or, you know, people are going to drag you, you know, no one wants to be the main character of the day at Twitter, but you know, it happens, whatever, once you have a platform is bound to happen at one point, but it's also personal. I'm protecting my personal peace, right? Like sometimes I'll be like, I'll see a, a debate going on on Twitter and I love a good debate. I love a good like back and forth. I love a good banter, but sometimes I'll be looking at shit like, you know what? The, the people who are involved in this are miserable. I'm just going to not uh, participate. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, just to protect no, my peace. I'm like, well, I don't need to uh, throw my thoughts in this because I don't want to be like in my ads all day, my mentions all day, d- arguing about this thing that's very, you know, is pretty much not even like that important. As we are navigating this journey that we're on, you know, life sometimes has a way of interrupting the vision we have for ourselves. Mm. Tell me a time where you literally had a what the fuck just happened moment. Oh, that basically changed like the trajectory of what you thought you were going to be doing personally and professionally. I would say uh, when I got laid off from Tonal, that was the first time I ever got laid off from a job ever in my life. In my professional career, I've experienced layoffs like at a company, right? And I, you know, was the the person left behind and had that like survivor's remorse and all that. So I know all about that feeling mm. because literally like mass layoffs and I still was there, right? Um, even people that I knew, like my sister, like we worked at the same law firm, she got laid off and I was still there for like years after, but I had never mm. gotten laid off. And it was a what the fuck moment because it wasn't necessarily that I didn't think it was like, I was like Teflon. I knew I, I was in a tech space. I knew that happens. And I, but I was a newbie in the tech space, right? It was like, I didn't really know what the tech space was. I really was learning. Mm-hmm. I was green, you know, even though I was in the content department and doing script writing for the content, um, it still is a tech company. And so I learned like in a startup at that. And so as I was like learning about that, um, I was like, okay, this is how they maneuver. You know, it's very different from a very legacy corporate world. Absolutely different. Like their culture is completely different. It's always like, oh, you know what? You, if you have an idea, you know, let me know. Like the, the CEO founder is saying this, you know, where's your head of legacy corporate? It's like, no, we do things this fucking way. And this is the way you're going to do it. But uh, uh, yeah, when I was laid off, it was like, oh shit. Because also it was the most money I've ever made in my life. So I was really cushy, really comfortable, you know, making it rain in some ways as well. But it was a what the fuck moment, but it wasn't, it wasn't even just like the part of being laid off. It was also like how much I learned about my worth because after that, now I can't go too much lower than that. You know, now I know how to demand for more and what I, you know, what I deserve. Um, But yeah, that was definitely like a, oh shit. uh, Because it was like, I was there less than a year. It was probably almost a year. Yeah. What's yeah. the name of the company again? Tonal. T-O-N-A-L. Tonal, yes. Yeah, Home Digital Gym System. I remember that because it was public, right? So what I've been seeing people that like what's been happening is it will come out in an article and right. some people will, you know, um, retweet it and, and mention publicly that they were affected by it or they're kind of yes. too quiet. And you took the road of just letting people know that mm-hmm. this you were part of what happened to Tono made you be so vulnerable. You know, social media is just unkind at times. Like what led you to being that vulnerable around that, that life interrupted moment? It's probably just the consistency of how I am on social media in general, right? I'm a storyteller at heart. And that also means about my life. Obviously that doesn't mean tell everybody about my my business, right? I have boundaries. Mm -hmm. I definitely have boundaries, but I've always led a, for lack of a better word, brand of being transparent about my life and my journey. 
So everybody followed my journey from even when I was moving to LA. Like I had a GoFundMe to raise money to move to LA and all the various careers that I had I had after that. Like when I was writing for Blavity, they writing for The Root and then getting this job at Tonal. So even when I announced my job at Tonal, I was pretty like well known at that point from The Root because they elevated my platform like on another level. And so I was like, hey y'all, like guess what? Y'all not gonna see my bylines on, I literally wrote an article on The Root about my exit, <laughs> right? And like, I was like, uh, stay tuned. I'm gonna tell you where I'm going next and it's a plot twist, which it was. Cause you know, I just saw this job on LinkedIn and I was like, okay, script writer. Cause I wanted to do like more writing yeah. scripts and stuff. And so I was like, I don't know what Tonal is. I thought it was title at first when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, JC. How black is that? Like, ooh, child, I thought this was title. <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, JC. But it was not. And then like, once I learned more about the company and like the production and how they produce things, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. I'm gonna get to be on set and all that shit. But yeah, so I announced that. Like, it was all on my content, like on my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of it. I posted all of it that I was getting a job at Tonal. And so, like, um, I think what, uh, so that inspired me, but then also, too, seeing and supporting other people who were getting laid off during that time as well. Like, my peers, especially when I was in digital media, when I was in editorial space, I saw that happening all the time with my peers. And they would share, right? So, like, I would see it all on my timeline all the time. And like you said, it is that risk of like people being nasty and assholes, which does happen. But for the most part, as far as like what I saw in my timeline, it was so supportive and people, all the editors are like, yo, if you need, you know, some freelance work, email me here. If you need this work And the tech space was a kind of the same way. And I saw it happening with Twitter. Like when Twitter had that mass layoff, you know, it's a bunch of people in the tech space, you know, people at Google, people at Meta, and they're all, oh, they're laying off people too, actually. <laughs> but like, you know, like in that space, uh, people were like, you know, let's, let's like, like, let's help each other. And Tonal was the same way. And the tech community was the same way with Tonal, where like people in tech had like literally a spreadsheet of like, okay, put your name, put your email, put your specialty, so we can send your, send this list to potential recruiters and so forth. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was great. Wow you handled it a lot better than I did because my life interrupted. I think it was just, there's, there's a multitude of moments like WTF moments mm -hmm. it just felt louder because of the age that I was at. And I mm -hmm. had felt like a failure again. Mm -hmm. I just, I could not get out of my head. Tanja handled it a lot better than I did. All I could think about was I was unemployed for the third time in New York and I was much older than the first time it happened. I felt like a failure. Yes, I was happy to leave that fucking job, and I just knew I was going to get something fly when my contract ended October 1st, 2021. But my arrogance or confidence was on a thousand. Then November hits, and then December hits, and now it's January 2022. Still nothing. I had landed some pretty dope interviews, but I wasn't reading the room. Let's just name them. HBO Max, three rounds of interviews and a writing test with ABC Radio, and Amazon. I was stuck on the money piece. I had made six figures and thought I should be paid six figures despite the position not calling for it. I was unemployed until my benefits ran out and I allowed that to deflate my confidence. I was also too prideful to ask for help until it got really tough. Being unemployed for almost a year to say that I experienced some peaks and valleys is an understatement. Yeah, that's real. And you know what? You mentioned in a part about like that arrogance of like, oh yeah, I got it. You know what? I had a little bit of that and it wasn't like, the unemployment running out because oh my god that would have been i don't even, i can't even imagine like how i would survive that but i even got a little scared when my severance was about to run out right mm. um like unemployment like ain't shit like compared to like when you're used to living a certain way right 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, you know, calculating. Cause I applied like right away. I applied for unemployment immediately. Right. And like, I know like California is like their system isn't, it doesn't take really that long, but I just wanted to know like, okay, to budget like far ahead in advance. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. how much are they going to be giving me every week? And then when I saw it, I was like, oh shit, I'm, I can't, I can't barely survive on this. <laughs> like, <Okay. laughs> Not just enjoy my life, but I can't survive. So I was like, oh fuck. So yeah, again, so like when I announced that, like I had gotten laid off, Again, it was this outpouring of support and community and, you know, the people that I had networked with, they were like, oh, yeah, girl, I'll shoot your referral. And that was the thing I was arrogant, arrogant about. I was like, oh, yeah, I got referrals. I'm going to get something. I'm going to get a whole bunch of interviews, blah, blah, blah. I, what I didn't think about was like, oh, no, it's a looming recession, if not one already. A referral didn't fucking matter. First of all, like, it's like 50 11 other people probably got a referral, too. They know people, too. And it's just like a, a different job environment it's a different job industry market and these companies that i were uh, that i was trying to apply to was a lot of like studios and some tech spaces i even applied at meta i applied at hulu i applied at disney amazon all those mm -hmm. like big studios and they were going through it too that's why they they weren't they probably weren't looming on a hiring freeze if not layoffs and so yeah. like that's why i didn't i didn't get that context when i was like thinking about like oh yeah i'm gonna get i'm gonna get a job somewhere else because i know all these people in these like really high places and, you know, like, it's not even that I, like, looked at it like, I know for sure I'm going to get a job, you know, because they gave me a referral. I wasn't that naive or that green. I just thought I was going to at least go get a recruiter uh, interview or something. <laughs> I didn't even get that. And so I was like, something. oh, shit, I, I got to humble myself. And I just started applying, like, everywhere. Like, every single day yeah. I set some time to apply to. I can't even count how many places I applied to. And this job oh, at yeah. XX Artists is, I just, I didn't know anybody there. I just applied and it that was the furthest I got <laughs> from anything. It was exhausting. Yeah, right? It's so it, exhausting. It was exhausting. Oh I had to keep a work search record. Out of all the times I've been yes. on unemployment, this was the first time they assigned me a caseworker. And the, the man's name was Jesus. I said, Jesus. So you coming for me too? On Literally. This side of the place? His name was Jesus. I said, Jesus. I said, God, you got too many YouTube. You got too many jokes for me. Yes. And I literally, it's funny, after I, I was done with unemployment, I actually still kept updating the work search record. Like, it, I was just programmed. Wow, yeah. But to your point, I could, I literally have a laundry list of jobs I applied yes, to. Yes. I got a whole folder. I'm like, I keep it oh all my gosh. those records. Yes. 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 Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. What what feelings did you have to contend with? Uh, it, it didn't... Like, were you, you, did you navigate okay when you, you know got, what? On, when you were on employment? Yeah. You know what? Uh, I was in a state of shock for so long. So I'm like, I was wondering too about that. I was like, I wonder if I like went through the stages of grief, you know, because it's a loss. It's like mm. a death. Right. So I was like thinking back about it. I'm like, I think I was still processing and just on survivor mode to even process that shit. Cause so it's like, that's something I'm going to talk about in therapy, which I now have. I now have a new therapist. Thank goodness for the work perk. We get uh therapy from better health, which is great. Uh, so yeah, like I just talked to through that. So I'm like, I think I was like so overwhelmed in the feelings of everybody being willing to help without have me having to even ask. Right. I just said, Hey, I'm laid off, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people were in my comments and my DMs like, Oh yeah, girl, we got you. Blah, blah, blah. I put, put in a referral for you. So I was still processing that, that great, the gratitude. And then like, um, with the severance, I was feeling pretty like, Oh well, shit, I could just coast for like a couple of months, three months with just getting the same paycheck that I, uh, you know, that I do get when I'm working, I could just have like yeah. a three month, like sabbatical pretty much or vacation. Um, so that was the initial feelings. Then obviously as it got closer to like, okay, this is the last severance, you know, check or whatever. Um, I started getting worried. I started getting some anxiety. 
there were some definitely some feelings of doubt for sure. It's like, oh shit, if I don't get a job by this time, I had because I had some things planned. I had like trips planned. I have like a wedding for a friend. It's a destination wedding that I was going to. So it's like I had all these expenses that I start I was starting to worry about. Um, and then like I was like, oh shit, my my savings are about to dwindle. Like all these things that I had like backed up. I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna be in that spot again. And I was like pretty much scared of being in that spot where I was when I was a full-time freelancer for the first time. Like that was the hardest financial uh, environment I ever been in my life. It was so hard. Like my, I'm still recovering from that, trying to get my credit back to what it was. Like my, wow. my credit was excellent. It went to poor, like to be, to be oh totally my gosh. Yes. Wow. And so I'm still wow. um, recovering from that even. Right. Yeah. It's funny the things that I would get so hung up on and you just never know what people are navigating, right? Like you think you're the only one in this space. And I'm just like, shit. Like I'm thinking about all the credit card debt that has accumulated over the <sighs> years. And I started choosing to feel bad. And I think a lot of times we just don't give ourselves grace. And and I, I think even as black women, there's just so much put on us to to <sighs> live a certain way, be a certain way, be a certain thing, and all things to, to different people at the same time. And sometimes the shit is fucking exhausting. Um, and when you are tired, when you are sick and tired and you just, you just don't have it any, like what, what do you do? Like what helps you keep going? You know what? The first thing I thought of was Zumba girl. Like uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I always post like for my Zumba class, my Zumba teacher, he always does like this thing called the power thought of the day. And it's like an inspirational quote. Mm. And then he says something that's like very inspirational. He says like this, this thing that he says every uh, class uh, that he all, you know, to, to put out group good vibes into the group um, as we leave our class, as we go towards our cool down, basically. But Zumba has been like, that's the, like the natural endorphins. I'm like, <laughs> so that's like my healthy thing, right? And I meditate. I meditate every morning before I wake up, before I check my phone, before I do anything, I meditate. I mean, I got to check my phone for the app you know, to the timer. I, right. I use insight timer for meditation. Um, and so like I do that, I go right to the app and meditate for 10 minutes before I do anything in the morning. But yeah, other than that, like the unhealthy shit is like eating junk food, drinking like, all these things. I'm like, let me give me a glass of wine. You know, all these things. That's like, yes. for you and you know, if it's not done in moderation, I'll say. Um, yeah, but fair like, enough. You know, so like, you know, I have some like toxic habits. I have some healthy habits as well. It's all in the balance, you know, definitely too. Uh, I would say as far as like content is wa watching content. I love reality shows, like the trashier shows that like helps me. Cause I think, I think like when I was an entertainment journalist, um, even though I love like analyzing movies, I love analyzing TV and yeah. those things, it became so exhausting and so hard and it became work and it became a chore for me that I got tired of watching like TV shows and movies. Like for a period mm. of time, I wasn't watching shit, but like reality TV. And I just want some mindless, you know, that I'll have to think about because my brain is going to yeah. be like already turned on a switch, like analyze it, like critique it. Like it's, it's natural yeah. at this point, innate. Yeah. Similar to Tanja, I was in a straight escapism mode around the time we recorded this interview in November, 2022. I was craving shows that centered black people and especially black women. Reasonable Doubt on Hulu was out at the time featuring Emma Yatsi Cornaldi. Atlanta was in its last season. I just craved scripted shows because they were inspiration for me to know my dream would soon be realized as well. I also revisited my go-to comfort shows like Living Single, The Golden Girls, Laying Eyes on the Golden Palace for the first time. I leaned into a lot of music, 
and Tara Brock's meditation podcast, which is still my jam. The healthy coping mechanisms were a must. Who is your favorite TV character that you feel like you embody in this season of your life and why? Oof. I would say, what's funny is I would say uh, Freddie from a different world. <laughs> it's like, because she, she was like, so. Um, that's Cree Summer, right? That's Cree Summer. Summer's yes. Okay. The goat, the, the voice goat, the voiceover goat. Yeah. She, I would say because she's so like, it's the scatterbrainness for me is what I really related to with uh, Freddie is because like, especially growing up, I like thought like that I was weird, that I was different, like from a lot of people, right? I was always in my head about it. Um, but I wasn't as brave as her to express myself that way, right? Until I became like into the, the writer space, the online space, and then I got to be my goofy self. So I love a goofy girl and she is a goofy girl. I'm goofy. I love goofy men, like call me. Like, I love it. It's like, that's my love language. It's being goofy. Um, so like, I would say her for sure. There's so many, if I, if I was to take, like, there's so many characters back in like, in like 90s sitcom era. Yeah. The one that I've been really holding on to in this season in my life at, in my late thirties has been, um, Emma Yatsi's character as Jack Stewart on Reasonable Doubt on Hulu. Yes. And for a few reasons, um, there's, I'm not married. I don't have any children as of yet. Mm -hmm. There's this way that Jax gets seeing her get to breathe in a way that Black women don't often get mm. to breathe. So important. On a TV show and the nuances of her being this sexual being, this um, badass lawyer that is just trying to balance it all and 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 is and and is struggling balancing it all while also not giving herself grace or extending that level of grace to her friends right. mm -hmm. there have been pockets of moments where i have felt like i was jacks or i saw a lot of myself in jacks mm. um, that i'm not going to share with the audience but there's <laughs> right. just things where it's like oh yeah like i've seen that evolution of me and so to see her it was almost like i I would aspire to want to, to be and present in a way where, yes, you have your shit together, but like, I'm also navigating some shit too, that's you know? Well, that's life. That's real life, right? And um, we live in that space, right? It's like a roller coaster. It's like not always good, not always bad. And that's okay because we are human, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, yes. you know how you go through those seasons like, oh my God, I am killing this shit. Like, it's great. And then it's like a really low low. And I'm like, oh God, I'm the worst ever. I'm a hack. All these things that you do, bad things you tell yourself. Um, but then like you realize it's like, it's always going to be like those up and downs and just being prepared for that and it being okay that there are those up and downs. It's like, it doesn't define you like who you are and you're not, or your worth. Right. Mm. Um, and it's easier said than done. Right. Because I'm like, you tell them mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing. Right. With her. It's like how you're like, you're pretty much hypocritical with yourself, your self self talk than you are with your friends. And that's why it's like that meme, like, you know, speak to yourself the way you, you speak to your friends or you want someone to speak to your friends. Like somebody say something to your best friend, you'll kick their ass if you say the shit that you say to yourself to them. <laughs> like, like, yeah, there was one episode and I, I meant to tweet it, but she just was not patient with her friend that was dealing with the yeah. basketball player. And yeah. I was like, because yeah. she doesn't have that level of patience for herself. Exactly. Projecting. Yes. Totally. She projecting. was projecting. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, how many times do we do that? But like, I, I, you know, again, 
sometimes the world is just not necessarily kind and and, and black women were always juggling so much because we're yeah. considered at the totem pole, right? Yeah. White men, white women, black men, black women. And I'll have yeah. black men try to argue with me. And I'm just like, you make more on the dollar than I right. do. You're rarely worried about being sexually assaulted. Exactly. And, 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 and mm -hmm. you still get to benefit from patriarchy. Exactly. And so that girl, that's a whole other conversation. Oh. So when I, you know, so when I say like being a black woman, the 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 race and the gender were constantly at toe with. And mm. I love how Jax, she really navigates it in a way that we're like, shit, yep, that's exactly what we have to deal with. Like white right. men telling you you shouldn't be doing or what you can't do or yep. second guessing you or assuming. And she's standing in it like, no, bitch, I know <laughs> okay. what the fuck I'm Okay. Back the fuck up. Right. And so just <laughs> wanting to be in a space where you're that sovereign as Jax is 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 showing herself to be in yes. various areas of her life. So. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Mm. Okay. Ashe. What would have been the title of your story before your life interrupted moment? I would say everything is everything. That's something that my mom is always saying. Like she just says, you know, everything's everything. It's kind of like a, just like to, to, um, it's just like a phrase just to say like, you know what, this is life, you know, like it's just saying, just accepting the, 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 the highs and the lows, kind of like what I was saying about preparing, you know, to uh, being a black woman and like uh, giving yourself grace. That's what it would be my title before <laughs> the life. Now, what would the moment. title be after that life interrupted moment that you shared with us? Oops, pal, surprise would be. <laughs> I just like it was. It was like, I was like in this like state of like zen before that, right? I was like, oh shit, again, like I'm making like so much money uh, because like that was a problem in the digital journalism space was getting paid yeah. what I was worth. And so I was like, oh shit, the techies, oh, they be making it rain on a, on a girl. So like, <laughs> um, I was like, you know, I got to enjoy my life more, enjoy you know, and not worry so much about bills and stuff. So I was like in a this very Zen space. And it was like, I was not only making more money, I was working less. Like I was working less hours. I was less exhausted, less tired. I was like more healthy than I ever had been um, in a few years because of, you know, not being overworked and exhausted and all that stuff. So when that was snipped, when that was snatched away from me, girl snatching my wig, <laughs> the recession pretty much snatching my wig from me. Um, I was like, oh shit, like, just keep me on my toes, Jesus. Okay, I see, I see you. <laughs> like, you got jokes, like he said. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um, and so like, but like all of it is a, is a learning, you know, experience. I know I'm going to learn something from it. Um, I don't know what that lesson is yet, but I know it's going to be something that's, it's going to pretty much, you know, carry me on to my next chapter, right? I, chapter. I had to have that happen for me, for me to be ready for whatever's coming next. So everything is everything before your life interrupt a moment. Yeah. That's in the chapter. After it's oops, shit, chop. What was it? Oops, pal, surprise. <laughs> oh my, oops, <laughs> Yes, but you was like, it's like a KO. Like, it's like. <laughs> I think about those old Batman TV shows. Yes. Like, ah, yes. the letters. That Holy recession, so Batman. That was it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny because now even visualizing it is making, oh my gosh, my <laughs> eyes are watering. Um, 
Tanja, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to put this in the show notes, but tell the, the good people where they can find you, all that jazz. Uh, so on social media, I'm at Tanja Stidham. Um, it's T-O-N-J-A-S-T-I-D-H-U-M. That's the first and last name. Um, so that's Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, all those things. Um, but you can also find me in my work at my website is Tanja Renee Stidham. So it's my first, middle, and last name. Dot com. Tanja. <laughs> yes. It's like yeah, it's like know. Oprah singing your name. That's how I feel right now. Georgia. Like, <laughs> I know. Oprah. Yeah, like she it's Yes, I know. That's hilarious. That's yeah. so hilarious. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank okay. you so much. I, I love you. Like you're and you have that you're the, you're like that one name person, right? It's just Georgette, right? It's like that's how I know you're a star when you could just go by the one name. Oh my gosh. You know what's so funny? I was in the bank at Chase one time. This woman was like, because I needed to get something notarized. She was like, You just, you have such a name presence. I was like, oh. she ain't lying. And I was like, really? She was like, Yeah, do you and I told her I was like, Well, I do voice acting and then blah blah blah. And she was like, Yeah, Georgette Pierre. And I was like, Right? I mean, it I'm does right. have a ring to it, but like I, <laughs> right, like so wave to the people who want to figure out it. Oh God, yes. Waving to the good people. I still can't believe I was unemployed for almost a year and yet I was covered. Seriously. Thank you God for those unexpected voiceover checks that carried me through because this New York rep baby, scandalous especially in this so-called dream apartment that I'm in right now, but I am still here. Thank you, God. I loved how honest Tanja was about her journey and about sharing it on social media. I remember when I was younger, I wanted to do everything on my own so I didn't have to depend on anyone. Boy, was I wrong. Her asking for help allowed people to show up for her. When I finally decided to check in with my former colleague and let him know I was looking for work, he told me about the job on his team that I'm currently working in now. Had I allowed my stubborn ways back yonder to get in the way, I'm sure this episode would have sounded differently or this season would have never existed. I'm not sure where you are on your journey of asking for help, but I'm gradually making more intentional requests to allow the things I need to make their way to me. In short, let your collective in. And on that note, until the next episode, peace. This podcast was written and hosted by me, Georgette Pierre, associate producer Tristan Bragg, and co-producer and editor Wise Grisette for the Indie Creative Network. Music by Otis McDonald, King Canyon, and Bail Bonds. You can follow my conversations on Twitter at Georgette and Instagram at Georgette Pierre. That's G-E-O-R-G-E-T-T-E-P-I-E-R-R-E. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Black Nuance Pod. That's Black, N-U-A-N-C-E-D-P-O-D, or email us at BlackNuancePod at gmail.com. Spelled the same exact way. Subscribe and share from your favorite podcast app. We're streaming on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Thanks for listening.